0: Welcome to episode one of persistently positive, a podcast talking about autoimmune diseases and chronic illness. Please note that this is the first time that we've done this recording and things are a little, you know, start to a new project. So forgive us our trespasses and we'll figure this all out as we go. Have a great day. checking it out. Uh, thanks for listening to Persistently Positive. My name is Tanya Graham and I am your host for Persistently Positive, a autoimmune chronic illness podcast and this is our first episode. I'm super excited to be doing this. This has been a dream of mine for probably the last three or four years as we've been researching and trying to figure out exactly what the formula would be to work for our community. At the end of the day, sometimes you just have to push play. (laughs) And so, or in this case, record, so that we could get this off the ground. So what is this podcast gonna be about? Really? I want that to be driven by you. I want that to be driven by the people who listen to us, and I want this to be driven by the people who have chronic illness. So if you have any type of autoimmune disease, uh, I personally have seriatic arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis. I also have discovered that I have Reinhardt's disease and <clears throat> I have had asthma my entire life. I've got allergies, I don't even know how many. They tested me and I'm not kidding you when they I was positive for 98 out of 110. So I'm probably allergic to myself, who knows at this point. So. And I'm not making fun of that. I'm just making light of the fact that I am who I am. So that being said, I am looking for people who want to be part of this adventure with me. I want to interview people who have chronic illness. I want to interview people who support people with chronic illness. I want to interview couples and how they deal with everyday dilemmas, everyday issues, exhaustion, sex. I know I said it. But still, it's part of our lives. It's part of who we are. We don't stop having sex just because we're sick. So how does it make it different? What do we do? How do we compensate? I wanna talk about everything that has to do with just fighting this battle every single day. Hey, listen, I look good today. I, I think I look pretty great. I had a shower. I went to the dentist. I got out, I did some shopping. I came home and I had to sleep for two and a half hours because last night I only had two and a half hours worth of sleep before my alarm went off. That's reality. Reality is is that we can put on a pretty shiny face and face the world and still be battling that ache, that pain, everything else. And I wanna rip away a little bit of that veneer and really talk about real things. I wanna talk about the fact that there is an opioid crisis happening in North America. It is unbelievable. It is scary. But you know, the scariest part is for us who actually have real pain every day. And that those medications are the difference for me working full time and not being able to get out of bed. It's a reality. If I didn't have the drugs that I needed, I would not be able to go out. I, I, I tried. We've gone off them for weeks. they have gone off them for months. And the pain is so excruciating without that support system that I can't do it. And so when renewal time comes up and I have to go back into the doctor and I have to go back to the pharmacist and I almost have to fight and advocate for myself in order to get the drugs that I need, that my doctors say I need with every point in the, in the process. I've lived in both the US and in Canada. The systems are different, but they are the same. And I get wanting to protect people who are abusing it. But what about the people who aren't, okay? I've been on these drugs for years and I've never had a problem with addiction. It's just, I just don't. And And I'm grateful. And I am sad for people who do have that problem because it's real and it is difficult and it is scary, but, We got to deal with this. I also want to talk about, you know, different ways people approach their diseases and approach their chronic illness. So some people have had amazing success with food, with changing their diet, with eliminating sugar, with all sorts of things. I want to talk to people who have those diseases and I want to have those conversations. Don't tell me you're cured, okay? You can tell me you're in remission A hundred percent. You can be in remission for the rest of your life. You can't change your DNA. Okay? So I'm going to be really hard about certain things. The other thing is, is that I named this podcast specifically. I spent a lot of time looking for the right name and persistently positive. That's who I am. That's what I live by. People are like, you're always in a good mood. It's cause I choose to be in a good mood. Cause you know what? The other side of the coin, is that I'm cranky, I'm sad, I'm upset, I'm depressed, all those things. And I have to fight through that every day to make sure that I'm bringing myself up. Cause I gotta bring me up so that I can be who I am and who I love to be. I wanna talk to people who are workout crazy and who get that natural high from working out and they're able to deal with their pain that way, or they work out beside like you know hand in hand with the pain. I want to talk to those people. I want to talk to people who are newly diagnosed and are scared and have read on the internet like I did when I was told at 32 that by the time I was 40 I'd be in a wheelchair and by the time I was 50 I hoped I had a will. Well, I'm 42 still working, still moving my fingers, still moving my joints. I chose science. Everybody's got their own world to choose. And I'm excited to talk to people who choose different paths in different areas. So who am I? I'm not an expert. <laughs> I am not going to be your expert on this. I am an expert on me. And I can tell you all day long exactly what I do and how I've dealt with it, how I've tried different things. I it, it, There's not a program process product that I haven't bought, tried, or done. I've done it all. I found what works for me, which is gonna be different than what works for somebody else. And that's the craziest part of an autoimmune disease is that it is different for each person. Like a hundred percent, it is different for each person that deals with it. And it is so crazy to me that we're all, we're all living with the same dysfunction in our joints and bones. And because there's so many different people doing so many different research studies, you know, they contradict each other, you know? And so when you're somebody who's suffering, you're reading these science reports, I was not a scientist, I have an English degree, that we don't know what we're supposed to be looking at. You know, what studies do we read? So I'm gonna bring on rheumatologists who have already agreed to be part of this process. I'm going to talk to physiotherapists who are excited to tell you about different, you know, postures and poses and ways of helping. I have my own personal physiotherapist who has agreed to come on here and tell us, you know, what she's done with me, me and with other people with our diseases in order to help us, you know, move better and get better emotion. All these things are so important and I am so excited. So eight minutes into this podcast and I haven't told you, jack shit about me. So first of all, fuck is a word that I use as punctuation. So it's going to slip out from time to time. Sorry if that's going to scare you or offend you. So there it is. Our diseases are fucked up and I'm probably going to say it from time to time. I appreciate that I'm going to try and be polite and wonderful, but it's going to slip out. So if that offends you, probably not the right podcast for you so a little bit about me i grew up in small town Ontario in Ontario Canada in one of the most picturesque little towns that you can ever find it had one street or two main streets i guess it had uh zero lights it had one bridge it had the corner store it had my very first boyfriend it had my best friend and it had the most beautiful stream that ran through it with a little mill dam. It was picture perfect. I, I couldn't have asked for a better childhood if I could, but it's just not possible. Um, but at the age of three, my parents started taking me to different doctors. Um, they couldn't figure out was wrong with me. I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming with pain. Um, it started in my feet and it would crawl And I remember the feeling so well, the pain would crawl from my ankles up to my knees and squeeze the living shit out of my knees. And my mom would wake up and my mom would rub my, my feet and my hands and my legs. And she would try and pull that negative energy out of my body, right out of my feet and hands. They gave me children's Tylenol. They went to adult Tylenol as soon as the doctor said they could. They tried everything and nothing helped. Nothing. Um, Like I said, my parents took me to um, hundreds, not hundreds, but dozens and dozens of doctors. Um, We finally ended up at the Children's Hospital in Toronto uh, where we met some incredible doctors. I can't even tell you about how amazing these doctors were. By that time I was probably six years old. And I do remember those doctors and I remember the hospital and I remember everybody being amazing. They did x-rays on my feet. And I remember, it's gonna sound crazy cause this is like 35 years ago now, but they had um, an x-ray machine that had a big circle and they pulled it down over my feet and then everybody had to go away and they and did these great x-rays on my feet and ankles and my knees and nothing. They couldn't see anything. They couldn't see any damage. They couldn't see any problems, but they had a baseline. So they were excited that they had a baseline and to come back if it still persisted. But at the end of the day, they couldn't find anything. So they just ended up calling it Growing Pains. So, okay. Um, and my parents, I love my parents. They're amazing people. Please don't ever say anything bad about my parents because they are awesome. Um, my parents, you know, listen to the doctors because they're doctors. They know what they're doing there. You know, they studied all of these things. They We went to specialists and... It's just growing pains, I'll get, it'll get better. So um, I got older, uh, the pain didn't go away, uh, but I learned to cope with it. So if the pain would start, I would crawl into hot baths. Um, we ended up finding some balms like lavender and those kind of things into the Epsom salts and lay there and just cry because that's, that's all I had, right? So. Advil, when Advil finally hit the market with Tylenol, every cup, you know, switching them back and forth every couple of hours uh, to get what I needed. And then for some strange reason, my body went into a little bit of a recession. Uh, And not recession, remission. Let's get the words right. My body went into permission and we don't know why. No, no clue why that would have happened. So, uh, great. Um, I went into those teenage years And then the fun side effects of seriatic arthritis is depression. So when the pain starts, the depression starts, it's kind of like goes hand in hand. Um, so I started having anxiety, depression, my stomach hurt all the time. I couldn't go to school. It probably started when I was nine, eight, nine. Um, I didn't want to go to school. Um, everybody hated me, but as a girl in the eighties, it was normal. Everybody just constantly said, well, that's that's normal. That's a normal kid. That's a normal situation. No big deal. Whatever. I got my first period when I was 12, I guess. And with that, um, the pain was excruciating. Um, I can't tell you the, the, the kind of pain that I experienced in my teenage years that is unbelievable. And, uh, my parents raised me to the hospital. Um, I was bleeding and cr- just crazy and they, nothing. Some girls have a bad day. Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? She'll just need a heating pad. It's Madville. She'll be fine. Okay. So it was fun every four weeks, dying and and no help. Uh, then I went skiing and uh, fell in love, fell in love with the freedom of being on a hill and, and, and gliding and moving. And it, to me, I'd figure skated my entire life, but skiing was a freedom that I couldn't even talk about. I dreamed of getting on like big mountains out in Whistler and, you know, going to Colorado and just, working my way down those mountains and being above the clouds and this is before the internet people. So I went to the library and I looked all these things up and looked at these pictures of the National Geographic and I just couldn't wait to grow up and be able to do this. So on one of my ski lessons I came down the hill. It was a little later in the day. Uh, Probably shouldn't have gone on the run. I ended up twisting my knee backwards and to give you an idea the in the outside, so this side of this ski, cut my face open right here. The only reason we know that that was the outside bottom of the ski is because that's the only place worth blood. So you gotta imagine what that did to my knee. I landed square on top of it and the knee can take pressure from side to side. It cannot take pressure straight on. So I cracked my kneecap. And I uh, damaged a bunch of muscles, a bunch of tendons in my knee. So my first round of uh, physio and a doctor who was my physiotherapist dropped a 10-pound bag of frozen peas on my knee. And I hadn't unbent my knee in three weeks. And my knee snapped backwards. So I'm telling you this because the recovery time of that, for those injuries, was four and a half years. So from the time I was 15 to the time I was 19, I was in physio. I was seeing doctors. um, The pain wouldn't go away. I I limped. I shouldn't have been limping. There should have been no reason why this wasn't healing. Uh, We get to a a doctor in St. Catharines when we moved down there uh, who happened to work with sports medicine. He took one look at my knee and went okay, you've got extra problems, we were going to go in there and clean this up because you've got bone f- fragments and chips and that's why the tendons aren't healing. Go in and do that. Um, so we did that and cleaned it up and I got a I developed a clicking. So every time I did, I bent my knee, it, um, and my tendon would snap over, my ACL would snap over top of the kneecap. So back in the early 90s, before they were fixing ACLs, they were cutting ACLs. So um, instead of doing more research and defining out why I wasn't healing properly and why things weren't properly fitting back together, they cut my ACL. I haven't skied since. Um, I tried and it was unbearably painful. Um, I had a giant brace that goes from my hip to my ankle, but it, sports for me are, are difficult and, and, and not fun and not pleasant and it causes the pain to just exasperate more and more post that so i was dealing with this pain in my knee by the way the pain in the knee from my childhood has come back on top of the pain from the recovery um my hips start to hurt they blame that on the knee okay no problem and then i go into remission again we don't know why we don't know how it just happened so then in my early 30s my mom passed away and um with that with her death was a lot of stress um, she was sick for a really long time and um, I miss her every day and I am not going to cry because um, I know she'd be proud of me for doing this. Um, but when she passed away, um, I went into a depression. Um, they diagnosed me as major depressive. I think that's how it's called. Um, because of that, um, this is the second time, I the first time when I, I had a depressive episode was when I was stressed in college and um i was finishing my undergraduate degree i shoveled snow okay remember activity i shoveled snow and then i couldn't get out of bed for two weeks literally my roommates called my parents my parents had to come down and pick me up at school and take me home i lost a semester of school was halfway through a semester i lost a semester of school um and they, just, they diagnosed me as depressed my back spasms, the pain in my shoulders, the pain in my hip, again, um, no, nope, you're just depressed. Put me on some antidepressants and you'll be fine. Didn't help with pain and people are still not dealing with pain, which to me is just incredible. How, how can you listen to somebody who's constantly telling you they're in pain, they're in pain, they're in pain. So again, I go back. Uh, so this depression hits and I'm exhausted all the time and the fatigue is unbearable and, and I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know what to do with my body and I and, and it's exhausting. It's, a, it's unbelievable. So I start seeing the psychiatrist and I also see um, a uh, behavioral therapist. No battery. no battery. no battery. Of course there's gonna be some kind of sound that's gonna happen. Um, so I see a, uh, like I said, I saw a rheumatoid, Psychiatrist and I saw a behavioral therapist. Psychiatrist put me on antidepressants. Behavioral therapist told me to tap my chest and that would be my mom hugging me. Don't tell somebody whose mother passed away three weeks ago that that's gonna be a hug from heaven. That doesn't quite work that way (laughs) Um, So from there, we, uh, so that happened and so I'm going to see my my therapist every um, two weeks or whatever it is and she talks to me for 10 minutes and renews my prescription and off I go. Doesn't want to talk to me about anything. Just, are you sad? Fill out the survey. All right, take your drugs, get out. Okay. From there, um, I develop what I think is carpal tunnel. So my wrist blows up, like unbelievable. It was like I had a football hamburger hand. Started down here on the pane, and then my hand just exploded. Now, you'll notice I can't straighten my fingers, but we won't talk about that right now. Um, So it blew up, just like a football hand. And with that, my boyfriend sent me to the walk-in clinic across the street, I go over, and I tell this walk-in doctor who knows me, no, doesn't know me from Adam, looks at my hand, looks at my arm, looks at my wrist, and he's like, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life. So I told him about the stress that had occurred, my mother passing away, you know, being diagnosed as depressed, but I don't really feel depressed. I'm just sad and I'm tired and I'm hurting and I've got this all over body ache. And he started going through my medical history and asking me about, you know, why did you do this? Why did it happen? What's happening here? And he started putting pieces together. And he sent me to um, a doctor to look after my carpal tunnel because he was trying to think, he's like, maybe we should see a rheumatologist. Maybe you should go and see somebody about the carpal tunnel. I'll schedule you both appointments and we'll see what happens. So. I go and talk to the carpal tunnel guy. He takes one look at it and he's like, absolutely, you're all inflamed in here. We're going to go in, do a little bit of surgery, clean this up. So I get ready to go in for that surgery. And day before, I go in and see the other doctor. And the other doctor takes a look at it. The rheumatologist takes a look at it and she's like, you know, you have rheumatoid arthritis. You have all the classic symptoms. I'm gonna send you for a blood test. It's gonna come back negative because you've probably had this blood test done a hundred times. But there's this thing called RH negative rheumatoid arthritis. Meaning that I don't have the blood work to show what my diagnosis is. Okay? So, um we do the blood test, it comes back and she's like, like I said, you're coming up RH negative. Probably at some point down the road as we go through this process, you are going to come up as RH positive, and that's going to be great. But until then, we're going to treat this like rheumatoid arthritis. You are not going in for surgery because you do not need anyone else to cut you open at this point. So, like she saved me literally the day before. Um which is kind of amazing. Then from there, um, we start on the medicine train back and forth, trying to change things. And my then boyfriend, now husband, um, we decided to go to California and we pack up and we go. And it was awesome. I had amazing doctors who got all my stuff together and packaged me off and I go off to California. First thing I do is I look for a new rheumatologist. And I had to go through a couple before I found Dr. Roger Cornu. And he, the man is brilliant. I, There is nothing that anybody can tell me or say. He does research. He's looking into it. He cares about his patients in a way that I have never known any doctor on the planet to know. He is just absolutely brilliant. And I'm so excited that he's agreed to come on the podcast. And we're going to have to try and figure out a timetable for him to come on. But he speaks at so many different places. And he is just the most amazing man I've ever met in my life. So um, so Dr. Cornu took a look at me, took a look at all my symptoms, took a look at the drugs that I was on, asked me to take off my socks. Take off my socks and he's like, I'm not sure that you don't have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm pretty sure you do, but you definitely have psoriatic arthritis. And the reason why your drugs aren't working, because even though they're the same drugs, You got to take five times more for seriatic arthritis than you do for rheumatoid. Same family, just, you got to up the dose with seriatic arthritis. Brilliant. So it's not that our drugs weren't working. It was the fact that they weren't the ones that I needed for my body. So we went through a couple of years until we found drugs that worked for me. And I'm probably not going to talk about the names of the drugs that I took. Well, I will, if anybody asks, but, um, the the my combo, right? So we found a combo that works for me, that got me, I've never been in remission since. Um, that's like the, the holy grail of dreams. But right now I'm, I'm not bad. See, I'm moving. Um, moving is key, but those are kind of the things. So that's me in a nutshell, but that's my disease. That's not who I am. And that's one thing I want everybody to remember. My disease is my diagnosis. It's not me. It's not who I am. So who I am, is a coach who helps small businesses small medium businesses with um growth development planning Um, i work with a system called disc and um the five my brain just had a brain issue um i uh anyway i work with disc and um five dysfunctions of a team see i knew it would come back the five dysfunctions of a team and we talk a little bit about kind of Everything to do with your team, what's working, what's not working, why is your executive staff not gelling? Is it a hiring problem or is it the way that you guys are communicating? Are your expectations not being communicated in a way other teammates can gather? Things like that. So that's my work. That's not me. Me? I am the second youngest of a family of five kids that are all crazy and sane and wonderful. I have an amazing stepdad who raised me and I don't call him my stepdad, he's my dad. I also have another dad who is absolutely awesome and amazing. I have a bonus mom who is a, a shining light in my life, who is one of the most amazing women I've ever met, who loves me and and, and open-armed accepted me into her family and that's been absolutely an amazing gift. Um, I am married to the sweetest husband on the planet who adores me and would do anything to help me ever and does on a daily basis and he'll probably scoot in here from time to time and help me co-host because we're going to have an episode about relationships and dealing with and what it's like to be with somebody who has an autoimmune disease who's not going to get a magic cure people. So. That is what this podcast is gonna be all about. And I'm super excited that we got through our very first episode. So that's our first episode, super excited, but I wanna start a little bit of a mini movement. And I don't know if anybody is gonna to listen to 28 minutes of me talking to them. But if you're still here, I wanna start a movement with a hashtag called Shower Spoons. For those of you who don't know the story of spoons for autoimmune, for just any kind of chronic illness and people who are tired and fatigued, I'm going to post it into my story. I'm going to find the original article. It talks about spoons equal energy. So when you have a chronic immune disease, you tend to not have enough spoons to get you through the day. Um, So we're always, we call each other spoonies. So one of the hardest things to do when you have a chronic illness and you're dealing with fatigue, is take a shower or a bath because it's like I take a bath and then I want to go to bed for two hours. It's, it's unbelievable. For women, we plan our hair, like our showers for our hair. So it's like, how many days can I get out of this look before I have to wash my hair again? So, and we'll talk about beauty products because I'm a freak about them. Um, so I'd like to start a movement called Shower Spoons. And so for anybody who wants to support us, to support the podcast, to support everyone who is here. Um, And, you know, you you can be an able person too and, and still support us. So shower spoons, hashtag do it. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you and have a great day. Did you like what you heard today? If you did, please like, comment, share, do all the things and follow us on Instagram at persistently positive. Looking forward to hearing back from you.